welcome back to Articulate with Steve McJones. Guess freaking what? This is episode 100, and how the frick are we doing out here? <laughs> um, seriously, guys, what's, what's episode 100? Happy birthday, Articulate. This episode, we did get a special guest as well for this occasion. This week, we welcome Brett Payne from Street Fight Radio, the number one anarcho-comedy radio show that airs every Sunday at 10 p.m. on WCRS-FM in Columbus, Ohio, on 102.1 slash 98.3. Holy cow. And they have a podcast. It's all on It's all on freaking iTunes and, and Spotify and all that good stuff. It's great. It's, fun. it's a great podcast. You should check it out. And Brett was so nice because he allowed us to actually record for the listening pleasure of the viewers from his equipment. And you could tell the switch over from my equipment to his equipment, not because there was technical difficulties or anything like that, but because Brett is such a nice guy and I really wanted to immerse you guys in the story of Street Fight Radio and the life of Brett Payne. So strap in, get excited, get pumped, and happy 100th Articulate. Enjoy. Texas and we kept doing the show um, what we would do is jump on the phone together and then me and Brian would both record our own audio and then I would blend them together really yeah that sounds yeah, like so much work because it was really it did the live streaming 10 years ago and zoom calls and all of that was way too laggy and it was really hard yeah yeah definitely so I guess if you're if you're cool we could just get into it uh, if you're ready yeah, let's go. Okay, yeah. So, I mean, so you and uh, Brian, definitely. So, I guess I, I want to start with, like, way, way back. Just, like, a little introduction about yourself, where you grew up, um, and then kind of how you got into at least recording or comedy. I know you – I listened to one uh, where you said you wanted to be a tattoo artist at some point. So, if you could just, like, you know, run us through the, the background a little bit. That would be awesome. All right. Uh, well, I was born in Columbus, Ohio. Um Lived in what's called like North Linden neighborhood uh, until about eighth grade. That was like in Columbus public schools. Um, so there was a lot of usual stuff that comes with that. Um, but my parents moved in eighth grade to Reynoldsburg, uh, Ohio, which is a suburb of Columbus. And I uh, pretty much graduated from there. I, I tried to go to college. I went to DeVry. Uh, and washed out in about nine months because I didn't really want to do any of it. Um, yeah, in, in, and, hi, in high school, did you have any like major interests that, that like led you to anything? In school? Yeah, at least like starting in high school. Did you like have any like um, you know in was there any interest in comedy there like starting out or that didn't kind of develop until later? Yeah, I mean, my honestly, my my main interest in high school was doing vandalism. Hell yeah! Uh, but like in like a social justice way. Yeah. So there was like a kid that was in special needs class or whatever, and uh, one of these guys pulled his, their pants down, like in the gym class in front of everybody. So we would come up with elaborate ways to like toilet paper their house, baloney the car, throw eggs on everything. Nice. Um, th- that was most of my comedy as a teenager <laughs> was just <laughs> doing horrific uh, pranks yeah. on uh, the popular kids at school. Yeah, you'd be surprised. Uh, I, so I started comedy in Philadelphia about a year ago, uh, and I've got a chance to talk with a lot of the comics around here. 
Um, and I had this guy, Drew Montana, on uh, a couple months ago. And we just kind of started, you know, I was talking about his start in comedy as well. And he was just like, yeah, I mean, for the most part, I was just trying to make my friends laugh. So we were just setting couches on fire. Uh, <laughs> we were just trying to, yeah. like, pull some pranks on, yeah, like you said, on other people, throwing toilet paper all over the place and shitting in bags, you know. That's that's always fun. <laughs> yeah, when Fago used to have – Fago used to have three liters that were 99 cents. So at the time, like, two liters were 99 cents, but you get a three liter for 99 cents. So my friend Steve would be like, hey, Mom, we're going to go do this thing. And she would just hand him, like, a $20 bill. <laughs> so we would go to like the grocery store and buy 20 three liters of pop. We put in a grocery cart and we'd walk it all the way home, like two and a half miles away from the grocery store, <laughs> um, just pushing it home. And then we would just stand in front of our house, shake it up as much as possible and slam it on the ground. And it would like fucking fly like a rocket <laughs> and we'd all be covered in pop. <laughs> <laughs> that was that was the best joke I told as a teen. But I don't know. I was kind of a smart assy. I was got into punk. Like okay. I, I there was a real um there was a real divide that was created when I moved from the city to the suburbs. Like I immediately felt like lower on the rung and there was kids that were getting like uh you know, brand new cars for their sixteenth birthdays and shit that they would just wreck five or six months later. Oh and, man. Uh it was that got me into punk like really hardcore. Yeah. Uh, just a lot of the bad stuff too, the fat record stuff, but some of the older shit, I was just, it kind of just, uh, awoke in some sort of angry, you know, fuck all this yeah. type thing inside of me. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So I guess, um, punk, like punk related, was it with music too? Was it, um, like just doing pranks and things like that? Did you, I mean, how did it uh, affect like your, the culture that you consumed? I mean, obviously Jackass was around, but we were watching like CKY and some of the, those videos before they became like the TV show. So a lot of skate video stuff was really, I think, inspiration nice, nice. Uh, for that kind of stuff. But like after we graduated, like I was actually a pretty, this is a, I was a pretty like conservative teenager, really? like a conservative punk. Really? And, um, yeah. And like I, I had enjoyed like drawing and I enjoyed um, doing art and I was very creative and I have that, that drive to create, but it really was not nurtured very well at my, my parents' house, you know, like they would be like, why don't you become a cable guy or why don't you go to like a Microsoft boot camp, you know? And it's like, I mean, I want to draw like still lifes of like glass and shit. I think it's really neat to use pencils and painting and, and I wanted to perform. I, I know I desperately wanted to perform back then, but it was just so repressed uh, and just really not a thing that was going to work, um, at least while I was living with my parents. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, when I got in, like, my early 20s and started doing psychedelics and stuff, and I remember one time I was, like, talking to my friends. Like, they were at the mall just, like, sit, sitting on a bench, and I'm just standing there basically doing, like, a, a whole stand-up routine. <laughs> like they're bored they're bored as hell we don't know what to do and i'm just telling jokes about like people walking by or fucked up things that happened at school that week and recreating them and all that right and my friend was like uh hey have you ever seen that tv show made on mtv i was like yeah and he's like you should do like made into a comedian i want to succeed i want to be confident i want to be somebody i want to be the best that's kind of tight. <laughs> so yeah, the, the next question, 
So regarding like the the psychedelics, before we get too into like the career part of it and recording and comedy and that sort of stuff, but was there a specific like was there one specific you know trip or was it over the course of time that you know kind of helped you move towards this career? Um, I mean, I think it was probably I think it was like the first time I did like a whole eighth of mushrooms. <laughs> um and it got a like full ego death like totally gone like in my body um and i don't know i just had one of those moments of waking up i don't know it was a uh, something humanizing about it um i don't know i was also like i was also reading like a lot of new agey type stuff i had a girlfriend that was into it and watching like that documentary uh like what the bleep do we know uh do you remember that i have not what's that one about oh it's it's pretty wild it's a very weird it's like a there is like an acted out scene of this like deaf woman as she goes through the world and then all these different things happen like you know ice crystals forming on something and then they'll pause and then they have all these like theoretical physicists and like people that do science shit they're all coded to like the area that they came from or they'll talk about like entanglement theory and like quantum mechanics and uh, just stuff like that (laughs) just really heady crazy science stuff right there was a there was also like brian green he wrote a book called the elegant universe so yeah i don't know i was kind of interested in in alternate realities and shit nice you know before they were cool yeah, yeah, I was at the, I was when the wave was about, to, but yeah, I, I don't know. It was like, I think that once I was out from under my parents' house, like I felt like I could be different and I wanted to be different and like psychedelics just scrambled my brain enough to allow me the opening to like squeeze through and uh, have compassion and empathy for people. I also got into Buddhism a lot too. So, yeah, so you were saying uh, this is how Street Fight Radio basically started, right, in, in a warehouse? Oh, uh, yeah. So uh, I did – I worked at the Abercrombie Warehouse for like five years and really? there was a lot of uh, immigrants that worked there and one of them was from Jordan and uh, she's the one that told me all about Palestine because her family was from there and her name was in the books and there was a lady from Aisha or a lady from India named Aisha, uh, who also like backed up what she said. Uh, and then I started reading about stuff like that. I started reading, uh, Noam Chomsky, uh, hegemony or survival and, nice. uh, started getting into all of the, you know, uh, the government is ca- causing atrocity shit. Uh, and then also dig, dig deep into the uh, conspiracy theories, of course, as well, because those are lots of fun when you're on psychedelics. Um, of course. But yeah, that was kind of the eye opening. It was kind of once I got in my parents' house and kind of washed my brain clean and uh, went to meet people in the real world, you know, because I, I was I was tired of being told that, like, the world is bad and human beings are disgusting and they're robbing and murdering each other everywhere. Um, be, you know, I think it's just, it's a, that's the conservative worldview in my mind. And like, I just did not want to be that fucking angry all the time about everything. So that kind of, uh, allowed me the opportunity to, to have compassion for everybody. 
uh, and it's a it's way easier life. Yeah, definitely. And so that will uh, so like moving on, we'll get kind of back to more of the message of Street Fight Radio, and, and it sounds like that's kind of where you're leading with that. Uh, but before that, so I guess how did you meet Brian? Uh, so I met Brian because when I worked at the warehouse, I started a podcast with a couple of friends. Um, we were, that was my first one. Yeah. We were like into horror movies and, uh, kind of punk stuff. And so we just did like a, we wanted to do like a typical counterculture or, you know, fandom podcast basically. Um, very early on, like I got a, like, I got a, one of those windows zooms instead of the Apple iPod. And, uh, they had a whole podcasting section on there. And like, I didn't have, I couldn't afford cable at the time. So I just downloaded shitloads of video podcasts and there were some pretty good ones at the beginning. And I watched it like public, public access TV basically. Uh, and I started listening to them while I was working and uh was like shit i love doing this and i know i was having really fun conversation with my friends and the barrier to entry on this was way less than you know video or comedy or anything like it was just talking into a mic and and anybody could hear you so that's what got me started on that now the problem is we only made it about five episodes which is why i always say to people like starting a podcast is easy making it to the sixth episode is the hardest thing that's the hardest part for for the most part it's to to keep it going and maintain a schedule for something um that you don't know what you're going to get from it you know you just have to have to do it and do it because you enjoy it so i had that podcast uh it kind of was fizzing out and my girlfriend at the time her brother was like hey i know this guy he does podcasts too you should talk to him and it's this guy named adam and I reached out to Adam and he was like, yeah, man, we record We're recording this Friday. Come hang out, come do a guest spot. And, uh, so I went over there and, uh, recorded the show with them. It was Adam and Brian and, uh, Brandon. And I went recorded. They, we had a lot of fun. We were, you know, really enjoyed it. And then, uh, they were like, we do it every Friday. Basically their thing was they would all get off work, go home, uh, start drinking like on the podcast at like six or seven. And then when the podcast was done, we would stay up like doing drugs and drinking till like six in the morning, sometimes till Saturday, you know, <laughs> just depends. But it was like an open invitation for anybody. It was a house party like every Friday. Uh, and that's how we got started. That was a different show. Sounds like a wild podcast. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, are these still all out there too? Like your first podcast along with like five episodes, uh, this one with um, Brian and Adam, is that still out there? No, it's all gone. Oh, yeah, I couldn't find it. I've tried to see if anybody could dig it up. I can't find it. Don't try either. I don't want to hear it. So <laughs> you don't want to hear it either. Um, yeah, so that was it. So basically that happened. And then um, me and Brian really didn't even – we were really friendly at the time because Brian actually had – his kid was like five or six years old, I want to say. Um, oh, wow. So he would go home. He He would – he would – he would do the podcast. He would hang out for maybe an hour after and then go home. He wasn't, he didn't really party cause he had to do the, the family life thing. So eventually what happened is, you know, the Adam guy, obviously he has a lot of friends and 
that was who most of the listeners were. Like the majority of the people were just guys that Adam knew, guys and gals, non-binary pals, people he met at the bar. He's just one of those guys that knows a ton of people. Well, he was going on vacation and we were like, well, how are we going to do the show? And he's like, I just thought we wouldn't do the show. And then we're, we were like, well, shit, we'll do the show. And Brandon was like, if he's taking the week off, I will too. So it's just me and Brian got the keys to his house and, and went in and did the podcast and everybody fucking hated it. Uh, like all of his friends thought it was like the most negative ass bullshit. Uh, and they texted him like, why the fuck did you let them do that? And uh, this sucks and all that. And uh, me and Brian just being like natural heels were like, I think we got something here. Like the people are talking. No one ever texted when we did our good jokes. Like no one ever texted and say, Hey, that was a good joke, but uh, they were definitely listening. You know, we, when we were, we were saying stuff like about, um, you know, Columbus doesn't have a pro football team. We have the Ohio state Buckeyes. So we just kind of were doing some real, you know, just lame humor about, you know, old men being obsessed with teenagers uh, and wearing their names on their back and wearing a teenager's uniform and running around the city and like people that didn't go to the school, um, but act like they did, you know, or being proud of something they never accomplished. And it made a ton of people fucking mad. <laughs> it was mean. It was sure. It was mean as fuck, but it was fun. But like you said, I mean, it's all about engagement at that point. Yeah, I mean, you got them listening. I mean, they're paying attention. They don't want to hear it, but they're like, nah, that's a little too much. Yeah, that's true. And, and you and Brian, you, you really felt at that moment <laughs> when you were, when you were, was it while you were recording or when people were saying this is, this sucks that it really clicked? Um, That happened. And then I think we had to do it again. I think there was another time when he wanted to call off and we were just like, we'll do it again. We'll do it again. Um. <laughs> And then we got, I think it was around the time, it was 2008, 2009, when the stock market crashed and like Bear Stearns and all that shit happened, Occupy Wall Street started. Um, we got in like a fucking scream, drunken screaming match with them. Me and Brian against Adam and Brandon, just about like capitalism and about the fucking banks and how like, you know, stocks are just the casino and like all of this shit and they'll rob you. And they thought that we didn't understand and that, you know, we were being naive and it just became this huge screaming match. So from there, me and Brian, so we had the main show we did on Fridays, then me and Brian would meet and do our own separate show. And that was street fight radio. So street fight radio was me and Brian starting another show basically on that feed. Okay, that's so cool. Yeah, so that was, um, I guess, I mean, in moments of passion, <laughs> moments of passion, if you'll call it that, uh, like that, when you're arguing against your friends, you know, and then you, you realize you have somebody on your side that, like, voices the exact same opinion as you, like, just as aggressively. I'm sure that <laughs> that really turned you on for, you know, to, to be able to have and start that podcast. So you did both at the same time, though. Yeah, yeah. It was a big bonding moment. And it was also, yeah, like I was also pretty upfront about like getting payday advance loans and like racking up $10,000 worth of credit card and never paying it off and stuff. And, uh, you know, everybody's like, well, you're not supposed to do that. That's not a good idea. And, you know, I mean, they are correct and they have houses now and like careers. Um, but I mean, I, I wouldn't trade places. I mean, it's a little, it's a little too boring and safe of a life <laughs> for my liking. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, definitely. And so, I mean, did you, I mean, in that, 
I, I don't know, were you thinking of like the foresight in that moment where you're like, even if it's, it's a poor financial decision, it's still more exciting? Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I wasn't thinking that at the time. Um, I was thinking that we would make it big and that we would make a shitload of money. So I was just like thinking I was playing a longer game. Interesting. Yeah. So longer game. And so I guess you kept recording those for a while and I'm sure, you know, after a while, if they're playing that, you know, the safe game, they, they probably all just go on with their careers and that podcast just kind of fizzled out at some point or do they still record it? No, no. It was a matter of like, it was a matter of like, uh, me saying, I think it was what happened. Me and Brian got Twitter in 2009 and we were firing off jokes like crazy and getting like a lot of, we were talking to a lot of really cool, fun people that knew what we were about and we got them to listen to the show, you know, and some of those early people were like dank metal. Uh, if you know him from, from Twitter, uh, Dan, uh, and like Malwa express and Felix from Chapo and will will from chapo like we were hanging out with all those dudes back then when we all had a few hundred followers and um i kind of said to the other guys i was like we gotta we gotta put our faces on this like we got we can't just do this as like a funny thing i don't i don't want to be stuck in some like career guys hobby you know like i don't want this to be just something you do on friday and you tell ribald jokes and then uh send them to send it to your friends like i want to put my face out there I want to be divisive, um, uh, and and this is like a real shot. This is like uploading the show. We had already been doing it for a few years or a couple of years, so it was like we know we got the stick to itiveness, and uh, I just wanted to, we wanted to do it. It was really fun. I really enjoyed it. I feel like I'd been like working my whole life leading up to it. Like you said, uh, I wanted to be a tattoo artist. I wanted to do like homeopathic medicine <laughs> i was willing to try like anything that it didn't go to school that you could rip people off um but then like but yeah then it, it was like this is really just talking shit making jokes on the fly trying to be the funniest uh is really what i what i was working on the whole time i was avoiding every other skill or hobby Right, right. And and I think I may have misheard it, but did you and Brian do stand up together? Yeah, that was another that was another change. Um I think I yeah, I don't know the timeline really, you know, all the psychedelics <laughs> the and timeline. It's all just it's just a mess back there. So either either when I told them we were gonna go public, either we were doing stand up at the time or we had already broken up and then we did stand up. But I think it was Basically, um, we were talking about like moving the show forward, making things better. And Brian was like, said to everybody, I want to try stand up comedy next Tuesday at this place, you know, who will go. And like everybody had to work except for me. Well, I probably had to work. I just don't care. So I showed up and Brian was like, Brian was like really excited about that and made him feel good. Uh, that I went. And so then I was like, well, man, you did it. I'm going up next week. You know, I was like, I got to do it. And I did. I didn't, I didn't, I would like went up the next week. He watched me be awkward as fuck. And I watched him be <laughs> awkward as fuck. And that's kind of the initiation. Uh, but yeah, so then we, we did it in Columbus. Um, mostly just hit up open mics. We didn't really get any like big time shows or anything. Um, everybody was kind of, um, Everybody was gunning to work to go and and go to the Funny Bone, which is like this awful comedy club in the mall. And 
you have to go perform for the guys. Like you have to go perform like one-on-one before they'll let you on stage and stuff. And like, they decide if you can come on. And, um, I, it was just like, it was a very, the scene was very bad. You know, there wasn't a lot going on. Um, most people were just doing like, like I thought most people were doing acts that were geared to like New York or LA again. Like there wasn't a lot of authentic Ohio comedians out there. It was just people training, before they moved away, you know, the most successful people I knew moved away. And so, yeah, we were like, and and then they started fucking with us because we came together and we kind of did a way different thing. And, uh, so they would put us, they would put like Brian first and me last. Like when we would come in, they would put me first, him last. So we'd have to sit through everybody. And, um, because I heard this on the, on that podcast as well. Um, when you say something different, like, what do you mean different? Cause Brian was saying how, I mean, and, and I could see it being, I've seen this in, in the Philadelphia comedy scene too, where somebody comes on and tries to do say either like a musical comedy thing or like a, a more of a po- poetry or artistic type of thing. And it definitely is kind of, um, looked at as much different, you know, and, and just kind of, um, separates them from, from the herd. A little bit and not in the best way, you know, so I'm kind of curious as to what uh, was different about what you guys were doing. Um, you know, honestly, it was just the content, I guess, was a little more, a little more raw. Uh, Brian was definitely not as stylish as he is now. Uh, he didn't really know how to keep like a mustache or a beard. He looked kind of crazy. And he would go up there and tell jokes about like stealing his kid's cough medicine and stuff. And like you know uh stealing copper wire and shit uh he did jokes about like he was talking about like you know they had to take back the night rally the other night uh so i went out there and stabbed somebody to let them know we're not going to let it go easy you know and like stuff like that it was very very dark and very intense and uh it wasn't kind of fun like you know when you're having sex you know or like stuff like that it was nothing none of it was like why do guys do this? Or why do, you know, it was that. And I was doing a lot of, um, I was doing a lot of like overthrow the government jokes, just stuff about like, uh, us being sheeple, basically <laughs> like trying to be Bill Hicks maybe or something, but just really like one of, there was a, uh, my girlfriend went at the time and she recorded and I went up there and did like five minutes or whatever. And, uh, the I could hear that on the video, the person next to her say, what the fuck was that? <laughs> <laughs> that would get me going. I don't know. <laughs> I was very, um, it was very uh, hard to relate with. And I was, yeah, I was doing also payday advance jokes, stuff like that too, which people, you know, not a lot, you know, a lot of them were college kids. That's where all the clubs are at or the places you can play. So you know, it was kind of hit different, different life experiences, I think, you know, too. Oh, absolutely. It's definitely a lot. I mean, I learned a lot of like, uh, you know, there's, there's a lot of comics. It's easy to be just like crass and say pretty much anything in the city in Philadelphia, but then, you know, there's Temple out here, um, University City, um, Drexel, there, there's a lot of colleges. So there's some shows where, you know, you can feel, you know, you make a, you know, a dead baby joke and, and college kids are getting tight butthole about that. And you're like, well, just a dead baby joke come on let's let's you know yeah so i definitely yeah well yeah although it's not necessarily me (laughs) 
it's about stabbing people. For some reason, stabbing people is a little bit more scary than just a dead baby joke. You know, I don't know why. Yeah, it, it was so good. Some people fucking loved it. Some people really fucking loved it. He did also. There was a sorority. He did. Brian did also. Some sorority member came to do open mic. It's for some reason, you know, a dare or like they were like, "Go do it, sister." And so, like, 40 of them were, like, in the fucking room with parents and stuff, and they were the worst fucking audience ever. And they wouldn't leave Brian alone, and he said he was going to jump down there and stab one of them. He told him he was going to stab them. <laughs> Crazy as shit. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, so, so yeah, then I, I did want to ask that loan you said that you bought uh, or that you used. You, you used all that 10000 to to help build the – the podcast and you know the visual elements and all that or was that for other things as well oh no um, no 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 uh no i didn't know we didn't have a loan um payday uh, advance loan means like you go and write a check for 245 you write a check for 245 dollars they give you 200 dollars, and then they cash the check in two weeks the next time you get paid so basically you bought you pay 45 bucks to borrow like 200 bucks <laughs> they're horrible yeah <laughs> Yeah, I gotcha. the financial part of Street Fight, we did it for free. And this is I, you know, this is probably divisive and I don't want to like gatekeep or pull the ladder up. I feel like it's up to you. It should be like the type of results you get. But yeah, a lot of people that try to have a Patreon like from Jump, uh, I think it's a little odd. You know, I think you got to get a little bit more uh, time under your belt and actually know what you're putting out is good. So we did it. We did it for free for a while. And then basically we're like. I basically said on the show, uh, I want to get a website and I don't want to make it because I don't know how to make websites and all my websites suck. So I have a professional person that'll do it for like a thousand bucks. Um, and so we raised the money to get that in a, in a very short amount of time. So, and then it was like, we would just ask people to pay for stuff like, Hey, our microphones suck. We need like 400 bucks to get microphones and the fans paid for it. So then that was at that point, it was like, there's a lot of interest here and people want to pay for what we do. Uh, and then when the time that Patreon came around, that's what we, what we jumped in to, to monetize it fully, like on a monthly thing. Yeah. So I guess, yeah. I'm, um, like regarding the podcast, obviously you, you've been doing it for a while and it sounds like your big break was when the Chapo guys, uh, asked you, did they ask you to come on to theirs or like, how did that work? Um, so, uh, the way that it worked is, uh, Brian had uh, Matt, Will, and Felix on Street Fight, and they did a watch through of um, I think it's uh, what's it called the the Sons of Anarchy. They did a Sons of Ar- Sons of Anarchy podcast, and so Matt, Will, and Will, and Felix were like, "Hey, we should do a show together." Cause they had all been on street fight. We had, we had Matt on to do like a fast food reviews or something. Matt also went to like, um, the, uh, Republican national convention with Brian, Will and Felix had all been on separately. So, but he put them all together. And then after that, they just start, they started Chapo. Okay. Gotcha. And that, uh, and, and, and yeah. And then their, in their wake, they sent a bunch of, bunch of people our way. And, uh, you know, we were kind of, treated it as like a huge opportunity like it was we were just like we have to start doing the best fucking shit we've ever done because we're about to get a tons of ton of eyes on us um so yeah and i think it's a good it was a good reminder of like you know helping other people and trying to work with other people 
and doing it genuinely because you believe in them or like them, not for any transactional reason, but because you never know, like in the future, who those people are going to end up being. People yeah, in my people, friends from my tw- when I was twenty five, you know, become very surprising people by the time they're thirty five, and they have access to all kinds of different unique opportunities, skills, and things they can offer you. And so it's it's good to invest the people around you, you know, that are that are on the come up with you. Yeah, definitely. And so I guess like what age did it start when, when you were hanging out with the Chapo guys and, and when you, you know, it did sound like there was a, a moment where you knew you were going to get a lot of exposure and you, you really kicked that into gear. I guess what time of your life was that in? Uh, that was 2016. So that was uh, six years ago. So I was uh, 32 years old. Okay. So yeah, you had uh, you had a pretty established uh, worldview at that point too. Yeah, I had a kid too. I had a daughter and a wife. Um, I was mostly a house hub husband. That was my main job. Was just uh, I followed her around and cleaned up and made the food and took care of the baby. Um, but in 2016, when the Republican National Convention was happening, we went to the like. Um, was it the Democrat? Yeah, we went to the Democratic National Convention in Philadelphia, and we stayed with Matt and Will and Felix at uh, Baltimore Matt's house, um, and uh, we did a live show there. And while we were there, we also got to meet like Stephen Heck was there, and uh, Rob Wiseman was there, and uh, it was fun. It was. It really felt like it was. Um, we had like. Uh, it felt like a community was starting or like there was a scene that was building uh, and there was all these really fun, smart, cool guys we were hanging out with. Um, so yeah, that, that was kind of the beginning. Nice. Yeah. And, and yeah, from there, I guess, like, did you specifically, do you remember what you did um, to, to kick things into gear? Was that when you started doing like, it sounds like, was that the first live call show? Was that, I mean, what was the transition at that point? I mean, how, how did that all? No, it was, yeah, it was a pretty, pretty gradual. Um, I would say we trimmed the fat. Um, we did a lot of similar stuff to what Chapa was doing in that we were like reading articles from these weird, like New York times people, uh, and keeping up with like journalists a little bit. Um, uh, we were also doing like, you know, foreign affairs stuff and trying to talk about drone bombs and like the presidency. And we were kind of a mix just talking about everything during the week. Um, so I think we decided to just really pare it down to what we knew the best. And, and that was really just complaining about work. I mean, that was the best, that was both of our skill sets basically. Um, and that moved into that. And so after, I think we, I think we made a goal on the Patreon or something like as if we start getting however much per month, we'll start another show. And that's when the call in show happened. I think around 2018 now, um, it was also a, it we wanted to make sure that we had enough people to call in, you know, like we were nervous that we didn't have a big enough listenership yet to, to try and pull that. We didn't want to get embarrassed. So we waited until we knew we had a lot of attention a lot of people listening and, 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 uh, moved into the call in show. And that really revitalized it too, because Brian and I, I mean, I had been out of work for several years at that point. I was doing lots of side gigs, like building bikes and mystery shopping and part-time donut shop. I guess I never really stopped working, but, um, 
Brian was going to school um, and living off of that. So we were kind of disconnected from the workplace uh, for, for a while at that point. So I injected some new fun stuff to talk about and for people to share, you know, w- what's going on in their work environment or with their dare officers or whoever it is. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So I guess um, what would you, you know, kind of say, like, do you think that obviously it's probably still evolving and changing, but I mean, do you think that street fight started out as a one idea and it's become this, I, it sounds like you trimmed the fat. And then what would you say like that? The idea is, Oh man, I'm not even sure if I know that I'm still, I'm actually in a, I'm in a, a weird place right now. I'm trying to figure out cause it does feel like a transitional thing. You know, we were leading, we were trying to leave. We started with um, Occupy Wall Street, and it was a very much uh, fuck the government, tear down everything, fight everybody type attitude. Um, and we tried to just be too much of a jack of all trades. And now, I mean, I think the the goal is just for advocating for working people. Uh, and I think that's that's doable. Like every single day, it's not a lofty, too lofty of a goal. Um, and there's, you don't have to worry about losing the fight. Um, it's hard to figure out where to go next. Uh, but I do feel in a transitional period right now, but you know, still having fun doing it. Um, but you know, the, the goal was really to cause a lot more disruption, you know, and, uh, the, the Joe Biden presidency has really taken the wind out of my sails. Oh man. Yeah, no, I could, <laughs> I could see that for sure, um, and and so I, yeah. I, although I, what I what I hear though is, you know, you recognizing that it's a transitional period, and but that you're still having fun. You're going to keep doing it. So it's almost like the same way that you you know that you said in the sense of you know getting past episode five. It's kind of what I've seen, and you know, you've probably seen it a lot in your life as well. But you know, when you do something consistently, there are moments where you're just like, "Why do I keep doing this?" or "Why, why do I quit?" And it feels transitional, and like you want to stop. But as long as you you keep doing it, you're gonna it's gonna evolve into the next, um, you know, the next version of it. And so I'm really, you know, at this point, I'm I'm glad I caught you at this point because it's uh, leaves a lot of mystery, <laughs> a little bit. And I'm I'm kind of curious. Do, do you have any ideas of where? you think it could potentially lead to? Um, yeah, I, I really am still working on it. I, I don't know. Um, I, yeah. I like, I, I, I like, I like coming on and making jokes and, and doing the show and cracking on stuff. Um, I would like to get a little bit more organized and, uh, create, I don't know, I guess for me, it's, it's all about community. So mm-hmm. something, um, something to spread, I don't know, a club or a meeting place for listeners or like-minded people um, yeah. just for a way to have like a physical space um, to get things more happening, you know, openly yeah. in the public, uh, you know, but it's, you know, it's, it's a lot of time, effort and money. Oh yeah, definitely. But like honing in on the activism part too. And you, like you said, building that community, getting people involved in it. Yes, definitely. exactly. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. And uh, I think, I mean, obviously there is a huge following. I think many people would <laughs> definitely be excited to, to try. And uh, I mean, obviously your endeavors before have kind of shaped out for the best. So I'm, I'm sure moving forward, you know, <laughs> they're going to work out one way or another, which is awesome. Um, 
So yeah, I mean that was that's great. Uh, I mean I pretty much got a, a comprehensive uh, view of, of what I was looking for with Street Fight Radio. Um, but any any word for people who it sounds like you deal with people who are troubled a lot with their jobs. Um, any any general or I mean it sounds like you guys usually give specific advice, but like for people struggling with the five day work week and that are you know having trouble and would very. Uh, you know, very much enjoy your message that, you know, that don't already listen to your podcast. Any words in, in that sense? Um, I mean, I, I've always had, um, I'll quit this job right now attitude uh, about things. <laughs> so, I mean, I think, I think for me, what the hardest thing for me to, that I've had in my life is, um, I kind of did think about things in the straight and narrow kind of square sense of like what success is and like, Oh, I'm supposed to be married with a house and a baby by the time I'm 25. Um, you know, and then kind of being like, fuck that. I don't care or whatever. Um, I would, I would just say that I see a lot of people on the sidelines that are like, I wish I could be a punk or like, I, w- I wish I could, uh, just quit everything and, and do art or whatever. Um, and it really is possible to do that. Like, you don't have to think of that as somebody else's dream. You know, I, I didn't think that I'd be able to perform and do voices and make up funny songs and get to do stand up and, and tour. I mean, I that I told myself from the beginning that was not for me and that people like me don't get to do that kind of stuff um, until I just kind of gave into it, you know, and and it's 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 hard to imagine but you just keep walking every single day in that direction like you said i keep doing the podcast to figure out what it's going to be because it's the doing it that makes the change uh you know and there's also there's lots and seriously i know a guy that does um union uh elect uh not ethernet cable he just lays cable that that's all he does he doesn't do any electricity or stuff and uh he's a union guy and he just goes to big buildings hospitals or whatever runs the cable you know along the floor in the walls makes it all look clean and nice and you know he's guaranteed pay raises after x amount of hours and you know it's all there 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 is a lot of opportunities and even if you're in your 30s or 40s you know uh it's it's worth it to to maybe uh invest in other skills or something else. You know, there's lots of stuff out there besides just like a, the regular shitty job. Yeah. And like, uh, I mean, it's also of like, you know, Brian is like, I never wanted to own a house. I'm fucking fine renting, you know? So he doesn't have to deal with any of that shit. And, you know, and I felt similarly, like, uh, I don't give a fuck if I'm don't meet any sort of standards of, of what a good life is. Um, you know, I, I don't, mind being broke. I don't mind struggling. Uh, I'm usually fine. So, you know, it's not that big of a deal to me at this point. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And, and yeah, and on a much smaller scale, but I think it kind of relates is like, uh, there's times where it's like something is hard and I know it's going to make me tired or like, I'm going to stay up late working on something and I know it's going to be tired the next day. But it's like, well, I've been tired before, you know what I mean? Right. I, I got through it. It's like, with struggling, it's like, this may, you know, this may in the long term, you know, be the direction that I want to go, but it's going to make me struggle for the next, you know, a few days, weeks, months, years. It's like, well, I mean, I've struggled before. <laughs> so, yeah, that's, uh, that's definitely a good takeaway. I, I like that. Yeah, man. Well, I think that, it, that just about covers everything that I wanted to go over. 
over. So I, uh, I definitely appreciate the time and, you know, all, all the recording technicality stuff aside. I mean, I, I definitely appreciate you helping me out too. Um, no problem. Thanks for having me. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Are you kidding me? He's the host of a podcast, got a beautiful beard, and he's a lovely fellow. Reminds me of somebody. Anyways, Brett Payne, thank you so much for walking us through how everything started. I know that I learned a lot from that, and I am excited to to see where Street Fight Radio leads for you and uh, the progression of that moving forward. So thanks again, Brett. Thanks again, everybody, for listening. Follow Brett on Instagram. Follow him on Twitter. They got a wonderful, wonderful Twitter presence, Street Fight Radio. And, yeah, follow me if you want. I appreciate it. I love you. Amen. Okay, bye.